murder, there's drugs, there's a lot of nudity, and then just repeat. It was autobiographical and then exaggerated as fuck. In a sense, it was sort of a love letter to my early 20s, which was absolutely insane. You know, it was just wild and crazy. Certainly not as, my life now is not as crazy as it was, but it was like, right. I, mean, I cashed in every single favor I ever fucking had. And then I burned a couple bridges along the way. Really? Too. Yeah, unfortunately. There's a couple of people that were sort of pissed the way we left the location sort of in shambles. Oh, like the crack house? <laughs> yeah. Hot breath. Hello. You know what time it is. Hot breath. <sighs> Welcome to the hot breath all my hot brethren and sistren. And if this is your first time listening, I would like to extend a personal welcome to you. Whether you're a fan of our guest today or just somebody who stumbled upon this, you picked a great one to join us on and start off your hot breath subscription. I tried to combine the words. Subscri hot breath script. Anyway, what I'm saying is you picked a great episode to start off with because our guest today, an absolute madman. He's a musician. He's a magician. He's an illustrator. He's a singer. He's a writer. He's a director. He's a one-of-a-kind talent. And of course, his name, Bob Place, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Bob Place, to the Hot Breath of Earth. Yeah! Yeah! Welcome, Bob Place. For those of you who know him, you're welcome. Truly, I'm so happy that I got to sit down and do this interview with him. Nobody's gone in this in-depth with such a unique talent before. He wrote and directed a movie called American Dirtbags that is absolutely incredible. It's like the movie Crash on crack it's six different storylines all combining it goes a million miles an hour it is honestly really well written really well directed really well acted it has so many comedians from atlanta as well as touring comedians that are just doing the movie just because it was a good time and they believed in bob's vision so you're really in for a treat if you haven't seen the movie i guarantee after this interview you will see the movie. And you can see it for free on iTunes, on Amazon, so many other places you'll hear him mentioned throughout the interview. But thank you for joining us, however you found this. If you're not familiar with me, of course, my name is Joel Byers. You can get more info about me on joelbyerscomedy.com. There's also my schedule on there. I host a show every single Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur. And I also teach a comedy class right here in Atlanta at Highwire Comedy Company. My class is actually graduating this Saturday. Our theater is located over by Atlantic Station. If you want to come check out our digs, just hit me up and I'll set you up with some tickets. But it's being filmed by the one and only, ladies and gentlemen, Fresh Grounds Creative. It's an Atlanta-based brother and sister operation. They do everything from filming your sets. They'll film and edit your sketches. They'll even... If you don't even need video, they'll photographs, headshots, really whatever you need done with a camera. These two are what you're looking for. Not only are they amazing quality, but it's an even a more amazing price. I'm so glad they wanted to team up on this and join the Hot Brotherhood. Just go to FreshGroundsCreative.com to see the work for yourself. And it really speaks for itself. Absolutely incredible quality and I couldn't be more proud that they were fans of the podcast and wanted to team up 
So if you want to see me live, I said you can go to joelbyerscomedy.com. On there, you'll see some flyers and such. My logo. My logo was done by the one and only Comedy Artwork. He's another fan of the podcast that we're teaming up with. If you need anything done graphically, illustrating a portrait, a flyer, Comedy Artwork is the one for you. This guy is absolutely incredible. He was a kind of more of a corporate illustrator, which he still is. He does stuff for Forbes. He does stuff for Variety. But he's a true comedy fan, and now he's making 2017 the year of comedy artwork. So if you want to join that while it's still at such an incredible price, and if you tell him the Hot Breath special, he'll even hook you up with a better one. So go to ComedyArtwork.com or Comedy Artwork on social media just to see the work for yourself. He's done Kevin Hart. He has Jamie Foxx on there. He was on Robert Kelly's podcast. Just I only plug these services because I feel like you can benefit from them as a listener. I wouldn't just be on here like, hey, you should go buy stamps because I said so. No, I know you guys are a lot of you creative people, artists, whether you're in business, whatever. You appreciate quality, and that's what I'm working with here with Fresh Grounds Creative and Comedy Artwork. So hit them up, check out their work, tell them Hot Breath sent you, and they're really going to take care of you. They're really just... Here to support the podcast and support you and your vision. So, freshgroundscreative.com, comedyartwork.com, joelbyerscomedy.com. Boom. So I said all that to say I love you. And there's only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath. With Bob Place. Good. Custom water? Just for you, man. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> can you insert this one? Yeah, you can sit there. I'll just break all of this really quick. No problem. Be a good start. It's broken anyway. Oh, you said that very confidently. You saw the flick? I saw the flick, dude. Holy cow. <laughs> well, first off, amazing. Uh, Amazing. Um, let me get this over here. Yeah, dude. I I watched on Amazon Prime for free. Right. I got to say, where else can people see it? Uh, iTunes, Vimeo, Google Play. Okay. American Dirtbags. Uh-uh. Dude, it was amazing. I, I absolutely loved it. I watched it with my fiance. It was it was engaging. The It had a great drive to it, I would say. Like, there weren't really, like, lulls. Yeah, because you know sometimes I mean this is a this is a feature length movie. This is a ninety minute movie, right. especially you know we both have people who friends and stuff that make film, and you're like, oh okay, cool. They've had this project, and you're like, okay, I could see there's some cool stuff in there. But I mean this, it was it was like punk rock almost. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's not. I'm not fucking around, dude. Nobody in the movies. Bob fucking plays. <laughs> it's a movie you would expect from somebody who calls themselves Bob fucking place, like. What, That's right. I mean, there's murder, there's drugs, there's a lot of nudity, and then just repeat. Like, it's, right. it's in your <laughs> face. Like, what was the inspiration? How did you even come up with this? Um, well, I, uh, I like movies that aren't, like, fucking around. I like things mm-hmm. that are just in your face, and I like... Um, well, basically, the, the way I sort of thought of the film was I was just like... 
I wanted to make a movie that was like movies that I like, and I wanted to make homages to movies I like in a movie. Okay. You know, and I like movies that are about violence and murder and things like that, but I want to do that and also have sort of a silly element to it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wanted sort of silly murder to yeah. happen. Uh, and I like movies that sort of are, you know, because American Dirtbag is like six different stories, but they all kind of connect and tie together. And the second time you see it, it connects even deeper than oh. you thought it did the first time. Wow. Because okay. the first time you watch it, a lot of things you won't realize are like, oh, shit, that's connected on purpose. And there's some things that I purposefully put in, like props in the scene, so that you, if you watch it the second time, you wouldn't think that, oh, that's the same actor. Like, no, that's purposefully the same character. <laughs> you know, for wow. example, like the probation officer mm -hmm. is also this guy that's sort of this uh, porn shop weirdo <laughs> that's looking for like weird like horse tails and you know paddles and stuff. It's hilarious, yeah. Jeremy Meese. Jeremy Meese. Atlanta comedian. Right, did a great job. Hilarious. A lot of Atlanta comedians in it. Yeah, pretty much know? all of them except me. Yeah, so that was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not everybody's in it, but it was like yes. certain people were in it. Uh, that they were there for some people I like wrote it for it was very well cast man like yeah. everybody fit like I yeah and I I'm, it was clearly a joke but as I was watching it I was like okay well I can't wait to bring up that everybody's in it but me but uh, you're on my podcast, which, you know, not everybody's on. So it's, it's I, good. We're I even. Uh, <laughs> no, but like e even just how it was casted, I thought was great. And not only did you get local comedians, you got like touring comedians that came through as well. How did right. you how did you swing that? Because it's a low budget film. Right. Exactly. The film was low budget, um, <clears throat> but it wasn't. I mean, it was more money than I've ever spent on a film. You know, I mean, it was like less than two hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. But more than a hundred thousand dollars yeah. you know what i mean and it looks like, amazing too oh thank you it looks amazing um but well it's just because the whole way i even got the movie made was i i this is the fifth feature film that i'd written right yeah. and i couldn't figure it out i couldn't figure out how do you get money to make a movie no one knows who the fuck i am no one fucking cares who i am and, mm -hmm. and no one's going to give me enough money to actually put together a feature film I made little skits, you know. I've made little short films, but I can never put together a feature film because it's so much money. It's not making exactly. movies is not like some hobby you can have. It's, <laughs> I mean, it is if you're rich, but it's very expensive to do. So I had to figure out, well, how am I going to make it make sense for someone to give me money? And I thought, oh, well, you know what? I bet we could get touring comedians that are coming through the Laughing Skull Lounge to agree to do a cameo in it. And if I can come up with a list of people that agreed that they would be in it, I could go to somebody that had money and say, hey, these people each have 60 to 100,000 Twitter followers. People know who they are. Mm -hmm. It's just more, there's no guarantee that you're gonna make your money back. But here's sort of a business plan for how you could and it's through that and that fucking worked right <laughs> leveraging know? the talent in it yeah and that and they really liked my script that i wrote you know mm -hmm. so the uh how did you yeah, get the, is that how you got these like major comedians is yeah, you well, showed them the script and 
Well, no, his personal relationships with Marshall Childs. Cool. So Marshall is one of the executive producers of the film. You're right. And I said, hey, I want to make this. He was like, okay. And I said, do you think you could get some of these people that you've known for, you know, almost 20 years, mm -hmm. been playing your clubs, to come in and do a part? And he was like, uh, yeah, I think so. And so we shot out some emails. And they didn't read the whole script. They just read the parts that I said, this is what I want you to play. Right, right, yeah. And not everybody said yes. But a lot of people did. A lot of people said yes, you know. Some and even I, asked to be in it, too. Yeah, yeah. Emo Phillips asked to be in it. And then Emo <laughs> didn't like the movie. Really? <laughs> there's so much swearing in it, you know. And Emo was yeah. like, all about, he was like, there was too many swear words. I was like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you know, it is what it is. It's high octane. You know? Yeah. Like you you look like the movie. It had to have been autobiographical in 100%. some way. Are you okay. kidding me? I like, was I was gonna oh say, my man. God. Well, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the the movie was about things that I'd experienced. I mean, it was autobiographical and then exaggerated as fuck. Okay. Right? <laughs> So it was based in like these real things and like real people I knew. All the characters are based on friends of mine mm. from my 20s. You know, it was, in a sense, it was sort of a love letter to my early 20s, which was absolutely insane. You know, it was just wild and crazy. Certainly not as my life now is not as crazy as it was, but it was like. Um, like what? You're 32 now, right? I'm 32. Okay. Right. So from like 18 to like 24, I was kind of writing about that time period and the people I knew there and kind of their stories. I mean, there's, there's some people that I think have watched the movie, you'll be like, what the fuck, Bob? <laughs> you, <laughs> you fucking, are you serious? You, you know, but actual, like we're talking about, I mean. I'm talking about like. Uh, kind of moments in the movies actually happened. Like, um. There's a character in the movie who's like a drug addict named Sarah. Right. Who um, overdoses a few different times on a few different drugs, uh, gets caught up with like a meth dealer. And to get out of the meth situation, happens to know Spanish and talks to a Spanish guy. And the guy says, hey, if you do this, I'll get you to Atlanta. I mean, that that's 100% a person that I know, that I, well, I, almost, except the reality of that story <clears throat> is that the person had to sneak a baby across the border, but like, I just couldn't afford to make it look <laughs> like we were at the border. So I was like, instead, you're going to have to marry this guy and go over. All, all the girls wow. are based on ex-girlfriends of mine. All the characters were based on um, friends of mine, in particular, like a uh, character that Andrew George plays, Harvey, who's just like a... Hilarious. Pussy fucking <laughs> slayer. I mean, and... But, like, he's not anymore. Harvey, the real Harvey, my friend, I just wanted to immortalize who he was when we were fucking 24. And who he was when we were 24 was just a pussy monster. It was insane. I just have no idea what he was saying to these girls or how he was doing it, but he was like a, like I say in the film, it was like pussy was trickling down. He'd bring girls home and it was like, I was getting laid, <laughs> right. you know? And there's funny in that scene, there's almost like a Benny Hill kind of right. homage maybe. Oh, absolutely. It's just topless women running around in a circle and then it freezes on the boobs for a minute and then it's like running around in a circle again and they're all humping you too and all that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was 100% Benny Hill homage and at first, wow. the first okay. cut of the film, I used that music, but we couldn't get the rights to it. So right. we used something that was similar mm -hmm. but you know i wish we could have gotten more 
legit music, but we did get like some uh, a guy to like compose music for it. Randy I saw Garcia. that. Yeah, yeah, I saw it was like original music by that guy and everything, yep. which you have I an mean, ear for. Yeah, he did a great job. I mean, he was the drummer and producer of. I played in a band called Swank Sinatra for mm-hmm. eleven years. And he was with us for that. And he's just an awesome all around musician. And I was like, hey, we've got this money to like pay a guy to make music for this. I want it to be you because I just wanted it to be all of my friends, you know? Yeah. I just wanted to put my friends in it and make something with, with them because I knew that they would let me do it. Like, I mean, the movie was like $150,000 and a million dollars in favors, you know? Right. I and mean, I cashed in every single favor I ever fucking had. <laughs> and then I burned a couple bridges along the way. Really? Too. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a couple of people that were sort of pissed the way we left the location sort of in shambles. Oh, like the crack house. <laughs> yeah. Did you film in like an actual crack house? Yeah. We filmed an actual <laughs> crack house. It was, Oh my God. What's so funny about that is we had all these interns, right? Cause I'd like a small crew, but then we had a small crew that was getting paid. And then we had interns that were students at SCAD. Okay. And one of them I, uh, was this girl named Iza or Izzy. Izzy, that's right. She showed up. The first day she was there was the day that we were shooting the Benny Hill topless girls like running around scene. And were those strippers, by the way? Or? Those were stripper friends okay. of mine. Okay. As you might imagine, I've got some friends that are strippers. Well, I know Swank Sinatra would play at Claremont Lounge a lot, too. So. Right. Well, that's not we even met them. Yeah, those were a little younger than right. the Claremont they're, women. Yeah. They were good-looking strippers, I thought. <laughs> but they're friends of mine, uh-huh. you know. And they agreed to do it. And um, But that day, she shows up, this intern shows <laughs> yeah. up, and she's wearing this Mickey Mouse shirt. And every morning I would like gather the crew around and do like a meeting with everyone and explain what was going to be happening for the day. And that day I saw her and I was like, listen, there's going to be some nudity here today. And she was like, it's totally cool. It's cool. So like the next day we're filming at a school. So we shoot at a school for like these, there's some school scenes Mm -hmm. in it. And then after the school scenes, we were shooting in the, the location called like the, in the script called for like a crack house. And so I was like, well, I know where a crack house is. <laughs> you know, I know where that is. And uh, so I called him up. I mean, prior to this, like we were doing pre-production, I called him up and I was like, hey, you know, and I got the location. We show up there and it scared the shit out of her. Yeah. She was terrified because it was totally legit. One of the things I think is amazing is the lack of um, permits we had. Mm. You would not have been able to make this movie in Los Angeles or New York. In Atlanta... It's like there's so you see movies being made all the time, but they're not so on. They don't know that like even if they do know you need a permit, they just they don't care. Like a cop pulled up one time. We're shooting outside. No permit. Giant HMI lights. Mm -hmm. I see this cop car coming. and I'm like, oh, we're about to get shut down. Just looks at us, drives away. I was like, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Keep rolling. You know. So did Izzy, Izzy quit. After Izzy that. quit. That was Izzy it. Izzy quit and wrote like a really mean fucking letter. Ooh. To like, you know, <laughs> the, the uh, person at SCAD that we had talked to to get her there. Uh-huh. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like the movie was as crazy making it as like it was actually being filmed. What know? was the craziest thing that happened to a location? craziest thing that happened to a location because you were saying you burned some bridges on how you left a location yeah we we shot in this one person's house 
and we just like tore their house apart, right? And we shot there all day long, and there was one person that we'd go to and be like, okay, you need to sign off, we can leave. Signed off that we could leave, even though like we didn't really pick up very much. I mean, we kind of ruined a couple of their records. Like, oh, I mean, geez. unintentionally. I, I didn't intentionally f fuck these people's things up, but it was like we just accidentally did, you know? And I mean, uh, they were pissed about it. I got like a little love letter from them. They were just like, fuck you. Right. you can, if you have, I'm going to tell everyone never to help you with anything. And I was like, hey, the guy that was here, because not everyone that lived there was there, just one guy was. Oh, it was okay. like, he signed off. We had everybody signed, like, can we leave? Are you good? He was like, we're good, we're good. He signed off. And so it was like, yeah, I'm sorry, but he signed off. <laughs> he told us we could leave. And it was like, okay, good, because we've been here for 14 hours. Jeez, man. That was the other thing, was that it was so intense. The shooting of that was, I mean, we're starting at seven in the morning, right? And then we're not done until two, three o'clock in the morning. And then we're back the next day at seven. There was no sleep. It was just absolutely insane. So, I mean, it was, you know, very. <laughs> a lot of powdered milk. A lot of powdered milk. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I've noticed that with themes with a couple of things you've created. There's like Prospect, another thing, you like a, a little sketch you shot that I saw on YouTube. But it had like this movie, it had intense drug use, intense like sexual fetishes like a lot of extremes going on even in a five minute clip and now you have right. 90 minutes to just paint it alive i guess yeah well that's the stuff i like you know? <laughs> I, I like that sort of thing i like you know the tag to the film is sex drugs and a little bit of murder yeah it's a great it, tag it is it's there's a lot of drugs in it i mm -hmm. i remember um you know psychedelic all kinds of drugs are in it yeah i remember uh we went to a film festival and um, this person was like, so they saw the movie and then they were like, so you've done some drugs. I was like, clearly. Right. Clearly this is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I like to sort of, honestly, like when you watch it though, it's like it, it kind of, there's like a morality to it. The, you know, everyone sort of gets what they deserve and it's not promoting drug use. I mean, at times it is, but in the end, it's always sort of a negative thing happens because of it. Yeah, and it's 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 justified. It's not like sensationalized. People aren't doing drugs just for like a shock value. Like it's part of the story. Right, it's part of the story. That's exactly. why. That's why. That's why I enjoyed a lot of times with it when you go to those extreme edges. Just like with stand up, you know, people go extreme just for the shock to get a reaction. Right. But then it there it's there's no foundation to it. Like the story is there. Right. So that's the writing, like writing first. A lot of people may not understand that, especially just like with stand up and with movies. If writing is king, the writing has to be there and then you can get crazy with it. But it's got to have that thrust behind it. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, I was just intrigued by those sort of things. And I wanted it to make sense. The whole thing, mm -hmm. you know, and I think some of it, like, you got to watch the whole thing for it to make sense. You can't step out of the room and come back and be like, what the fuck is even happening right now? <laughs> because it's so fast, you know, it's like Super it's fast. moving like light speed. It's like yeah, it's man. fucking machine gun fast. Yeah. What's going on. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, all of the, the drugs are not it's not. I mean, in a sense, it's kind of an exploitation film, but but it, it but it makes sense that those drugs are there. 
you were there for those drugs. I like, was there. That was you. How like how crazy did it get? Like how when, crazy when did you were, like your real life? My real life? Yeah, man. Oh man. Real. I've seen shadow people. You, know you I mean? have seen shadow people. Absolutely. Holy cow. I've heard that's a real thing. Oh, that's for, like people on meth. That actually happens. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I've I've had some like <laughs> I've oh had some gosh. benders, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. I'm, I'm not anymore, but like back in the day it was anything you put on the table, I'd be like, Yeah, let's do it. Uh-huh. You know, let's get in there, let's get it done. And I've got a real um I'm insatiable, you know? So like there wasn't ever enough, and we were just like going crazy, and and at the t- and it was it was always readily available because I was playing in Swank Sinatra, which was like a you know grimy loud rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. So all of these venues we were playing, and all of the parties we'd be at, and everything was just it was just so readily available and most of the time free. So we just dove headfirst in. I I mean I there's a couple. You know, I mean, there's some bad stories. One story yeah. I'll tell you that's checking. This isn't too bad, but I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so one night we're looking for mushrooms, right? But we're not like looking to buy them. We're looking to find them. So we are in the sticks, North Georgia, in somebody's cow pasture. <laughs> oh, okay? wow. And we're just, we got like a, we got baggies and we got spatulas and we've got gloves. Like we're clearly there for like, you know, cause mushrooms are on cow patties. So we go out there and this is sort of an interesting <laughs> element to it. We went out to the thing, all of a sudden we see a cop pass by. We're like, oh shit, so we ditch all of the stuff. And then one of my friends that was there was like, okay, we gotta come up with a story. Story is, why are we out here? Well, earlier we were driving by and we were throwing a Frisbee around in the car, flew out the window and it landed in the thing. I was like, what? No, that's a terrible idea. That's the worst story I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Boom, cop pulls up. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing out here? You know, and before anyone could say anything, he was like, we're looking for a Frisbee. (laughs) And all of us were like, fuck. Yeah, Frisbee. He's, the cop's like, bullshit. We're like, no, it was a nice frisbee. It's like a hologram on it. Like it was, you know, because once the story comes out, you just got to right. stick to it. Are you sober at this point? Hell no. Okay. But we didn't have anything on us. Okay, cool. You know, so we were, you know, we weren't sober, but we didn't have anything on us. We ended up getting away with it. Wow. You know? um, I eventually did start getting arrested. There, there was. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Not for drugs, but for alcohol. I had a bit of a thing. I was sort of belligerent, some mm. cops. I was, you know, it was bad. I'm, wow. I'm not like that anymore. But but I kind of, I love thinking about that time frame. And so I, uh, I just wanted to like immortalize it and sort of put it into a movie. It was a little more extreme than that and was fun to watch. You know, I think it's fun. It is very fun. There's some things yeah. about it, you know, I think there's a lot of funny elements to it, but it's fun, mm-hmm. you know, and I like it to be fun. What was what was rock bottom? Like, have you ever actually been shot? Have I ever been shot by a gun? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, that was in the movie. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I've never been shot by a gun. That's what I mean by the exaggeration. I've never been shot okay. by a gun. I've never had any gun violence or anything. And there wasn't a rock bottom. Oh, okay. I never went to the, you know, crying club. You know, I, I didn't go to anything like that. I didn't have uh, any, I don't feel like there was a rock bottom. I feel like um, 
I don't know. I, I, I didn't ever have some sort of a come to Jesus moment where all of a sudden I'm like, okay, it's too extreme. It mm -hmm. just kind of slowly faded out. You know, gotcha. it didn't ever hit some sort of hardcore rock bottom. I, I've no sort of like testimony about not doing drugs or whatever. And I kind of feel like I don't think that I don't think drugs are bad. You know, they're just they affect people differently. So, you know, I I don't know. I think all drugs should be legal. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, hmm. I just think that you should sort of choose your drugs wisely, you know. Well, what has been the reaction to the film compared to maybe um, what you were expecting it to be? You know, I didn't have any expectation what the reaction was going to be, but it seems like people like it. It's getting it's got getting good reviews um, that I've seen so far. Every mm -hmm. screening that we've had and, you know, um, I mean, we won an award at the Alexandria Film Festival. People sort of find it to be... Um, just intriguing and fun and kind of different than the, the, the films that are made of that same sort of price bracket. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's clearly independent, but it's, you know, I don't know, people like it. And some people don't like it, you know, not everyone's gonna like everything, but I, I feel like most people that talk to me like it. And I get a lot of messages from people like, oh, my God, I just saw your movie. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I also think that people don't really know what to expect with it because it's so wild and crazy. It's so fucking just fast paced and just everybody's being killed. And, and, and but it's not like murder porn. It's not a gory movie, you know, like, right. the, but it's, it's violent as fuck. Yeah. And it's and also, realistic. Uh, you know, like, it looks real. Yeah. Like the violence right. looks real. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, and it's also I shot on a bunch of different things. I don't know. It was just as crazy as I could possibly make it because that's what I like. Like, you know, I love Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah, that was something I was thinking of while watching it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I love Pulp Fiction, you know. Um, and... I made some homages to Pulp Fiction in the film. I make homages to Easy Riders, probably the most obvious homage. And I make, I make a million homages. But my point is, like with Pulp Fiction, I remember seeing it as a kid, and there was a moment where Bruce Willis walks around the corner, and fucking, um, you know, Marcellus Wallace is getting raped in the back of the fucking <laughs> pawn shop. It was just so shocking, mm -hmm. so crazy that I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then I also liked, like in Forrest Gump, when Jenny's like freaking out and she's in her drug thing and she's like standing on the edge of the building. And I was like, that was awesome. Why not make 90 minutes of that? <laughs> you know, make something crazy. How old were you when you saw that Pulp Fiction scene? 94. I wasn't allowed to see it. I was in fourth grade in 94, uh, but my dad loved it. And I'd hear him talk to his friends, but I wasn't allowed to see it. He bought the VHS and I was still, I was not allowed to watch it. And then mm -hmm. the summer after sixth grade, they were all gone. And I was like, oh, tonight I'm watching Pulp Fiction. Wow. And I popped it in and it just changed my fucking life. Cause I'd always wanted to make movies, but after I saw that, I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's, that's the kind of movie I want to make mm. though. You know. So were your parents strict? No, my, my parents are amazing. Oh yeah, so they're they're supportive of. Yeah, they the did movie. catering for the movie. Oh really? For half of it, and then uh -huh. people got pissed. Because <laughs> well, because like man, that was the one thing I was shocked about. I, I learned so many lessons. You know, I'm I'm, 
trying to be able to um, make a film next winter, like a second feature film. Oh, cool, yeah. It's called Time Crashers, anyway. Um, and I learned so much from making this film that the next one's gonna roll so much smoother. But one of the main things I learned was catering. Matters. Absolutely, craft <laughs> services. People get hangry. People don't want pizza every day. Uh -huh. They don't want pizza any day. They want things to eat that are like, and they want snacks all day long and they want all this shit. And um, my parents at first, first half of the filming of the movie, uh, they were like, hey, we could make things and do whatever. And, and people were just so pissed about it. Wow. That it eventually caused uh, the DP of the film is Brandon Osterman and me and him are good friends. And we never had any arguments. We were really on the same page. We were making the same movie the whole time, you know. But the only time we ever got in an argument was about catering. And, <laughs> and we like, we were like yelling at each other about it. Wow. You know? and, it, it uh -huh. was, and then we fixed it, you know, and we sort of, uh, the executive producer, the main executive producer, Chris Bell, kind of grabbed the reins on that and I don't know, ended up making it better mm -hmm. than it was. And we'd had more provisions and things, but that's huge. That and the other thing is uh, that I learned, not that you asked me this, I'm just kind of talking now, but the, uh, man, I had 90 locations. That's insane for like an indie film. Yeah, it is. It was super ambitious. And mm -hmm. so the next movie, like the movie I'm writing right now, it has like seven locations. Okay, wow. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. It's a little bit different. Uh, I mean, a little more than seven, but it's like, it doesn't have 90, <laughs> you know? It was crazy. I was breaking people's backs and just determined to make it. I didn't fucking care, Yeah. you know? And so I was lying through my teeth to like locations. I was trying to do anything I could to possibly get it done because it's so impossible to get it done. It's impossible to make a feature film. Like so many people start to make a feature and then they can't make it all the way through. Yeah, even just writing a feature, people will start and then not finish. Right. That in exactly. itself is a daunting task. Right. So it's almost like the movie, these characters sprint through this life leaving a trail of destruction. That's almost kind of what the movie yeah. production was like. Exactly, and I, I said something similar to that earlier. That's what I meant, was like it was the movie itself, like making the movie was like living the movie. It was, it was crazy, you know? And just beg, borrowing, and stealing, and then we also still had, you know, 150 or whatever, $100,000. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was crazy. <laughs> It's crazy, but I, I feel like it was worth it. I feel like I'm super proud of the movie that I Good. made. Good, yeah. I'm like very proud of it, and I feel like most people like it. Like when they watch it, first of all, I don't think they really know what they're getting themselves into or what to expect from it. But once they see it, they're like, holy shit. And I'm telling you, the second time you see it, it's even crazier. The third time you see it, it's even crazier than that. And I mean, I haven't watched that movie in like a year and a half. But I've seen it a million fucking times. Right. You know, yeah. I directed it. I was there the whole process. Right. I storyboarded the whole film. <sighs> stick figures. I mean, it's oh, insane. Oh, jeez. All that. Oh, yeah. I've, I've actually, right over there, I've got all the storyboards and all the script breakdowns I did. Because pre-production's free. So to get the money for the movie before I had the money for it, I was just 
going ahead and figuring out how much money it would take and going ahead and breaking down the script. And I drew, you know, every shot, I drew a stick figure shot of it. So mm. that we, cause we couldn't waste any fucking time. Once you were there. Right, because right. we didn't have enough money to be like figuring things out. We had to go, we had to do it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it had to get done. Yeah. So. And I'm sure that yeah. since you're working with comedians, improvisation was probably a player in it too. Absolutely, a huge player in it. Yeah. The other element to that was that I feel like, um, I love uh, ad lib. And, I, and the my favorite, directors like it too with the exception of like obviously quentin tarantino i doubt there's too much ad-libbing in his films right but martin scorsese's films are filled with it yeah you know as long as the beats are there right, right. as long as so we set up a scene and the other thing is because it was moving so fast i couldn't count on people memorizing what i wrote yeah that's a good point you know yeah. you can't just memorize i was like okay here look you have to say this this is what has to happen in this scene to push my story forward. But I also, because it was all, it wasn't all, but it was a lot of comedians. Well, why did I want comedians? Because I love comedians, because comedians are my friends. Comedians are, I, I think the best, not the best, but they're one of my favorite types of artists. And obviously I do stand up, and so I know these people. So I don't want to put you in a box. No, because you're funny. Right. So sh you got to say this, be funny about what I'm telling you to be funny about mm -hmm. and do it. So the way we would do it was we'd take the scene as they're setting up lights and then doing all of this. I'd be rehearsing it with them. Just, okay, improv. Okay, do it. Oh, I liked that. Remember that. Okay, do this and that. And we'd rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. And then boom, we'd shoot it. Maybe three times. Wow. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there weren't too many takes that we took because we didn't have time. You know, the key, if I had more money, I mean, the best way to make a movie is if you've got um, time and time is money. You know, yeah. if you're um, Kubrick and you can shoot a scene 70 times just over two days, you know, yeah, you're yeah. going to get something. But but we were working with pretzels and cheese. And so, no, we, we need to get this in two takes and don't fuck it up. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, but all that rehearsal yeah, helps exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. So there's, so improv is key. And I like that. You know, I think that that's cool. I mean, I also like watching movies where it's like very much so, like a Kevin Smith film, you're not improvising. But like I said, you know, like um, Scorsese. Yeah, there's a lot mm -hmm. of ad lib going on. We are not only, you wrote the film, you directed the film, you're a comedian, you're a musician, you're a singer, you're an animator. What, what else? And what I'm was an the, actor in the film. You're an actor as well. Are you a magician? Sorry, I don't want to forget about magician. <laughs> magician. So like, what was, what was the first one? And when did it start? What was the first one of those? Yeah, I mean, and what else maybe you are? I mean, it seems like a Swiss army knife here. <laughs> um... <clears throat> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. When did it start? I don't remember a time when I wasn't doing that. I mean, I was interested in all of those things forever. Yeah. I guess when I was uh, maybe seven or eight, my dad came home with like a video camera and I immediately started making little movies with my friends. Mm -hmm. I did stand up in my fourth grade talent show. But by the time I was 15, was when I really started doing that and I wanted, and I, so I did stand up at all the talent shows. When I was 15, I made my first short film and I went to the um, 
uh, what was the film festival? Angel City Film Festival. She was at the Biograph Theater in Chicago. Wow. Uh, it was a film called Saturday Stories. Fucking terrible. But, <laughs> but I did that, and then it was the first band I was in when I was 15. It's called No Inhibitions. We played there, you know. Um, in Chicago, you played or at school? Oh, no. We, uh, we played, yeah. We just played around. at school and parties and things. Uh-huh. And, but uh, Brandon Pittman, who's in Swank Sinatra with me, was in that band too. And Mike Albanese, who is stand-up comic and one of the main characters of that film, was the drummer of that first band. Wow. I've known him since high school. <laughs> um, and... I so like when I was 15, all of those things started at the same time. And when I was 15, uh, well, when I was like 13, we moved back to America because I was a military brat. I lived in Japan from when I was seven until I was 12. As so we moved back, and I'd always like wanted to be an actor, but because you know, when you're watching movies, that's who you see, you see the actors. So I was like, oh, okay, I want to be an actor, is what I want to do. We get here, and uh, my mom super supportive was like oh i saw this thing this agency looking for auditions i auditioned i got an agent and then i was in a sean mullins music video when i was in eighth grade (laughs) shimmer (laughs) i play a a racist white kid and i like bump into uh this black kid walking across the street and then the next year in ninth grade i got a role in road trip okay uh, you know dreamworks major motion picture yeah and um I uh, played a, you know, I had a little speaking role in that. So when I was 15, a lot of shit happened. I had the major motion picture film. I had my own short film that I went to the film festival with. I did, started playing music in a band and I started doing stand up in, um, you know, my parents driving me to open mics. And when I was 17 is when I met Marshall, the owner of the Laughing School, who's wow. one of the um, executive producers of the film. Yeah. You know, so I've got like a deep relationship with him. He's known me since I was a teenager. He, uh, when I was 17, he booked me opening for this comic named Scotty K. He was a headliner going around town. Scotty K wanted to take me on the road with him. I was like, that's fine, but I have to graduate high school first. <laughs> I graduated high school, and then he started taking me on the road with him when I was uh, 18 at that point. He was in some of my early short films. He is... Um, not in town very often anymore. So I, I he's in the movie, him. though. He is in the movie. He gets Everyone murdered. that ever helped me is in the movie. <laughs> Anyone that has ever been um, anything uh, help-wise to me is definitely in the film. Because, you know, I believe I'm going to make several films. Mm-hmm. But since this was the first one, it was like, well, I might not be able to make another one, so I want to not... You know, I want to put people in it, and and I, I just wanted to show as much love as possible, with the exception of putting you in it. But right, of course, yeah, and destroying <laughs> people's houses and <laughs> right. And no, no, I mean there was only one bridge I burned. Honestly, I mean I, I feel like most people left that situation happy, um, but it is sort of. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel bad about it, but they signed off. Whatever, man. They, they, it's they in, it's paperwork, yeah. They signed the paperwork saying we could leave, and we left, so whatever. And I don't take it personally. I mean, I understand I haven't... <laughs> and there were only so many roles in it. Yeah. You know, there were only like 150 roles, so it was hard to... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I remember no, there the, were a lot of roles, but... The first time I saw you do stand-up was Buford Variety Theater, 
in the the basement of the theater. What was that? That was called Uncle Pearls. Uncle Pearls. Yeah, the ceiling was about as the stage and the ceiling. You pretty much had to crawl on the stage. They were right on top of each other. Right. But I remember you just had this joke where it was if uh, the N word was instead midget. Yeah. And right. then this whole just joke about that, and I was like, oh, who's that guy? <laughs> yep. So that was my initial was introduction initial to Bob Place. To That's interesting. <laughs> Later, I saw something where this midget was doing a similar. I'm sorry, this little person was doing a similar. Yeah, joke. the lot's changed since that joke was around. Right, yeah. and I was like, oh, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And now you do mad. You'll do magic yeah, during your comedy acts. Yeah. So you kind of cross over, and you'll. I just like to entertain. Like I'm. Right. A, I'm not trying to like box myself in as like, you know. Dude, like I'm just I'm just out there trying to be a performer, you know. Yeah. Trying to entertain with anything, you know, with music, with whatever. I'm I'm just an entertainer, you know. And that makes sense when you have like a the show you did here at Laughing Skull. It was like Bob blows up the world or Bob. What was it called? Bob destroys the moon. Bob destroys the moon. But I, I it saved was, Christmas once. I did it's because I want these elaborate shows. Elaborate, like I'm not, I'm exactly elaborate. And there's like a full band with a horn section. And I've got multimedia things going on with the you know some some things happening on the TVs. I'm interacting with the TVs. I'm, I, I want yeah. I want I want to do big crazy things that people leave and they're like, oh my god, what the fuck was that? That was insane. I feel the same way about the film as I want. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of people do feel that way about it, you know, because um, it's crazy. I like to just go all the way and be as wild as possible because that, I don't know, that's just what's inside of me. And it just speaks to me to do that. And a big thing, you, the thing I saw you created, one of the first things, I guess, was like Hate City, which yeah. was about music in Atlanta. That's right. And that was interesting. I just, I briefly glanced at it and watched the trailer and you were able, just like with this film, American Dirtbags, that movie or documentary, yeah. I guess is what it was about the music scene in Atlanta. You were pulling big names on that. I saw like DJ Drama, Greg Street, the huge yeah. DJ here in Atlanta. Like um, you were pulling a lot of people in that. Right. And that was like way back in 2001. That was in 2005, 2010. Hate City was? Yeah, Hate City was oh. 2010. Um, but yeah, that was the first feature, because that, that was a feature film, but it was a feature documentary. And it taught me a lot, just like Dirtbags taught me a lot. And I kind of feel like uh, the next one's going to teach me more and the next one's going to teach me more. And I, because I, mm -hmm. I like to just be the student, I like to always be learning because I feel like. Right. At the moment you think you know everything, you just start slipping and your art starts becoming shit, you know? And I don't want, my, like, I'm super in competition with myself and, like, nobody else. I don't fucking care. Like, I just want to make sure that whatever I'm doing is better than the last thing that I did. Okay. And so Hate City, um, you know, we did some screenings around town. We got a little bit of press about it because it was you know very specific to atlanta music and uh, musicians that who were coming out of atlanta and you know whatever uh butch walkers in the movie you know uh and uh, actually mike albanese is a executive producer on that film he helped me do that with another guy harvey leak who andrew george plays in american <laughs> dirtbags that's awesome right? so it's like it all ties in it all ties in everything ties together <laughs> and that one it was atlanta based but it did make it to south by southwest festival so in austin it did it, we we sh had it go places but we didn't win a goddamn thing for that and we didn't get 
really any major recognition or distribution for that film. So mm -hmm. eventually we just ended up putting it on um, YouTube. You can see it on YouTube, you know, and for free and like broken up in six parts. And right. I'm, I haven't watched that in forever, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't even really thought about that in forever. But because I don't like what that did, that burned me on the idea of making a documentary. Gotcha. I was like, I don't want to make a documentary. I want to make narrative films, you know, and because you because you can make a documentary fairly easily. Like I could make another documentary. And if I did, I would make it about uh, Groundhog's Day in Punxsutawney uh, because that's not what you think it is. I went there one time. It's nothing like Groundhog's Day, the movie. It's like Mardi Gras, except it's 17 <laughs> below. Like it's insane. It's just drugs and fucking girls and it's freezing cold. And there's a groundhog that pisses on everything. It's wild. <laughs> Like I'd shoot it like Woodstock the movie, except, you know, but I, I, am I love how you can already see it though. Yeah, no, I totally see what that would look like. I'm more interested in making narrative films though, you know, and I've got, uh, one other feature film totally written called, uh, Reverend Miners, but that one's going to be real expensive to make. And so right now I'm writing another one called Time Crashers, which I'm trying to get money for in film next winter. So you have a feature linked film already written and you're writing another one right are you just writing every day uh almost how do you what is how did you create that habit what has been your discipline with that because that's something i would love to do more i just like have a ritual did it i just every day i try to write for one hour okay and sometimes it's just dog shit and that's okay right because i feel like um you just you know write it, it just write, and even if it sucks, just kind of write it, and then just you know write for the truth. Write with the idea that okay, this is going to be garbage. I'm going to throw it away. Don't sit there and look at the screen like okay, this needs to be brilliant. Mm -hmm. This needs to be amazing. Like nah, I don't care. I'll just write it, and then the next day I come and I'll like read it, and then I'll rewrite it. You know, like American Dirtbags, like I said, it was the fifth feature film I wrote, and then I wrote. One with Andrew George and Mike Albanese, and then I wrote one with just Mike Albanese. So I've been involved in seven and then American Dirtbags, but you know, none of them got made. I mean, and some of them I, I, I wouldn't mind making, but like I said, I'm in competition with myself about writing that too. So it's. Um, <laughs> I love Andrew George just decided to print right there. <laughs> he's like oh they're recording let me let me print stuff right next to where they're recording it's all good he's it's just like harvey good. yeah it's harvey <laughs> you have anything to say about american dirtbags no okay well, you said it all you were great in the movie <laughs> too oh the movie yeah it was good you had fun with it. I liked it. It was good. You were well, great in it, man. Andrew George was a producer on it. It was very natural. Yeah, I produced that. Oh, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Got a credit. Yeah, I mean, he was the one producing it. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he was right next to me. We were fucking didn't sleep for three months. Mm-hmm. How long? Yeah, never mind. The shoot was 32 days, you said, right? Right. But okay, it was yeah. sort of spread over three months. Okay. Uh, because of the headliners coming through. Oh, so we right. shot maybe four days a week. Okay, right. A couple couple weeks we maybe shot five, but most of the time it was four days, three days. Then we had a break for Thanksgiving. We had a break for Christmas because we shot uh, November, December, mm -hmm. January. I think actually we wrapped up at the beginning of February. 
if I remember correctly. You had mentioned most of the stuff you write is, it's just worthless and just part of the exercise. Like, what would you say your success rate is? Can you ballpark it? Success rate of things that I like? Of I like, or how much, how much you'll write that compared to how much you keep? Because I've heard Woody Allen say he'll keep like one out of 10 things. Oh, well, I'll write it and then I'll rewrite it. And then after I do the second draft of it, I'll show it to people. I'll say, what do you think of this? Mm -hmm. And then they'll tell me things. Then I'll write it one more time, usually. Okay. So, like, if I have an idea, I'm going to kind of push through on that idea. Unless, I mean, sometimes I'll write something and be like, this is terrible. But if I like the idea, well, first of all, the idea, if I'm writing it, I've been thinking about it for five years. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I've been imagining what this movie might be like for a while. And then eventually I'm like, okay, I'm going to write that. And then it's just, it's, I write maybe three drafts. I've never written a fourth draft. By the third draft, I feel like, okay, this is the movie that I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes that's bullshit. And then like, cause like the five other ones I didn't do, you know, or well, I guess right. the four other ones, cause American Dirtbags was the fifth, but it was, I didn't do them, they're terrible. And I've reread some, and I've pulled some things, some scenes that I like from things in the past and put them into, uh, you know, American Dirtbags wasn't really like, there weren't too many in there, but like this one that I'm talking about, Time Crashers, that I want to do next winter. Time Crashers. Time Crashers. It's a dope name. It's a great story. Yeah? I'm very excited about it, yeah. It's going to be cool. And uh, it's going to cost more than American Dirtbags, but it's not going to be, it's still going to be a low-budget film. Is it about time travel? It's it's about people that are trying to make time travel happen, right? Wow, that's always a fun theory to explore. Yeah, it's I know. how to actually achieve it. That's something you're interested in. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love it. I love time travel, and I love you know, I love time travel. I think that's such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I like sci-fi things and stuff like that, but this is kind of like time travel if it was real. Well, is basically American Dirtbags is a almost a cool time capsule for you because it was a few years ago, but you've lost a lot of weight since that movie. Uh, yeah. And no, that's a good I'd thing, like to though. say I gained weight for that role. No. But no. <laughs> what, what have you been doing to kind of lose the weight and keep it off? Um, well, I started doing a lot of heroin lately now. <laughs> okay. Getting no, nostalgic from your early twenties. I've been trying to not eat, um, bullshit. <laughs> like just all I used to eat was bread Right. And fucking bacon, you know. And so I've been eating just like as little bread as possible. I mean, over the holidays, I ate like an animal, but I've been trying to eat as little bread as possible. Um, I'm as little, like, I mean, no beef really, a little bit of chicken, but uh, lately I haven't been eating any meat and no bread. And then just doing a little cardio every day, not even that much, but a little bit. And like 20 few, minutes? Yeah. 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 Every day, though. Every day. Cool. Um, and then a little bit, a uh, few push-ups, few sit-ups, nothing extensive. And, I, and honestly, I believe that it's the eating, really, that makes you lose weight, like what you're eating as opposed to working out. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. You think I, it's I helped with your creativity, about. though? Being skinny? I well, think just it's, like that or clarity. Not that I'm skinny, but being skinnier than I was. Because um, that's a discipline maybe. in itself to not eat certain things and to have that 
exercise regimen. Maybe, yeah, but really, as far as the creativity has stayed the same, it's just a little joint and then start writing. Okay, gotcha. so that was part of the process I left out earlier. Oh, right, you're the right. Joint. <laughs> right. The burning bush. Right, so I'll smoke a little weed and then I'll start writing. <laughs> gotcha. Well, at least it's not meth anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, well, you know, I mean, not on this podcast, it's not. But I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, there's a little bit of weed. Kind of opens you up a little bit. It's fun to write on weed, you know? It's, you know, I'm a big um, fan of it. <laughs> well, there's there's nothing wrong with that, man. Right. Well, we've been talking about a lot of good things here, and I'm glad you uh, were able to hop on Absolutely. the hot breath of verse here, man. But uh, something I always ask people on here is a story of getting booed while on stage or just an epic bomb, an epic failure? Because I, I interview people who are successful and doing successful things, but a lot of people don't realize to get to that success, it takes a lot of failure. So I always like to hear an epic tale of just some failure. The worst bomb that ever happened was at <laughs> Uptown Comedy. That's where so many happen. Right? <laughs> I, this, is, this is a bomb story that ends up being a triumph. Okay. okay. Oh, you're absolutely right. Well, we can do two. We're going to do two. Let's do it. Gorilla Ball is way worse <laughs> than the first one. I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you, Andrew. So, um, <laughs> but that one also ends as a, as a triumph wow. for me personally. And we'll just get into that since now I'm, it's fine. Um, since statute of limitations is over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. The first one is at Uptown. I'm 18. I'm the only white guy there, you know, urban room. I walk up to the mic before I can even say anything. This woman stands up and says, hang yourself. Hang yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> Except she didn't say motherfucker. She used the N-word. But, um, wow. and boot, 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 DJ cut the music on. It was over. <laughs> I came back when I was 25, crushed with my midget joke. Oh, boom. <laughs> okay. <just> destroyed. <laughs> gorilla ball, a little bit different. Okay. Um, the gorilla ball was this thing that I don't even know if they do it anymore, but, but the local Atlanta news, all four major news stations would get together in a venue and poke fun of themselves and show, you know, bloopers and newsreel bloopers and things like that. Well, one year they asked everyone at the Laughing Skull Lounge to roast them more or less, like come up with a comedy show making fun of them, right? So we were like, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to make a couple videos. We made a couple funny videos and the videos went over great, right? The videos were just as if we were news people, you know, doing news. Joe, there's a tree falling down or whatever. Um, and then I did... Well, then Andrew George did, I don't know, 10 minutes. And then I was doing, I don't know, about the same. I don't, I don't remember the time exactly we had to do, but we both did stand-up. Andrew goes out, eats a fat dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, the only laugh I got was addressing how sweaty I was. <laughs> the only laugh. Ate a fat dick. And then I, I've got, like, an over confidence going on in my mind you know so i thought i got this I'm, I'm gonna get i'm em. gonna get them right i'm gonna get them this is gonna be fine right so i walk up and i eat the biggest fucking dick salad anyone ever saw <laughs> and one woman uh screams something out at me that's like 
that is the best you got? And I, I lose. First of all, I lose against this heckler because I wasn't making anyone laugh from that point forward. But I kind of like had a little bit of dialogue with her. She stopped talking back to me. I tell everybody, this is the entire Atlanta news. All four news stations are there. Keep that in mind. Four major news stations there. I say, fuck you. You can all suck my dick. And I flipped them all off. And then I walked off stage. And then that night, here's where the triumph comes. That night, I fucked the producer of Fox 5 News. What? Yes, sir. She was that impressed, or he, either way. I was kind of already talking to her, but I'm saying it's just, <laughs> in my heart, it felt like a triumph. You know what I mean? It felt like a triumph. Wow. So That is sufficient. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bob Place. Absolutely. Before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? No. I mean, just uh, you can watch American Dirtbags on Amazon, iTunes, Vimeo, and Google Play. And if you have Amazon Prime, American Dirtbags is free. So you can watch it for free and leave a review. If you like it, write a good review. If you don't like it, write a shit review. Which somebody has done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one person. One person wrote a pretty shit review. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. If you're going to like it, you're going to like it. If you're not going to like it, like the people that are going to like it are going to love this fucking movie. Yeah. And the people that aren't going to like it can suck my dick. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved it and I can't wait to see it. Well, Time Crashers, right? Time Crashers. Boom. Bam. All right. Bob Place, thanks for being on Hot Breath, man. Thank you very much. Boom. Bam. All right. That's right. Boom. This podcast was a true time capsule of a true one-of-a-kind talent. Bob Place, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the interview and hanging out with me. Why not come along on this journey through the outro? There's going to be some fun info in here for you. I don't put anything in here I don't think you can benefit from. So thank you for supporting us here at Hot Breath. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend. Share on social media. If you're at work, killing time, tell somebody else, hey, you want to kill some good time? Listen to Hot Breath. If you want to take it a step further and really have your voice heard out there, go to iTunes, leave a quick five-star review. I read them all on the air so you can have your voice heard right here as well. I just can't thank you enough for what this podcast has become over 70 episodes now what an incredible journey and it couldn't be done without the support of you and support of people like comedy artwork our sponsor who has not only done the logo for the podcast he's done the logo for my website joelbyerscomedy.com he's done the logo for my show i host every wednesday at java monkey indicator if you would like to team up with comedy artwork as well go to comedyartwork.com or his social media at comedy artwork tell him to give you the Hot Breath Special. He will take care of you. He's a fan of the podcast and a fan of just helping out people looking to take off. I don't know what that really means besides comedy artwork is awesome. You're awesome for listening. I kind of set you up on the um, graphic in design and illustration and such. But if you're looking more for video photography, I've got to say Fresh Grounds Creative is your answer to all of your problems. It's a brother and sister duo based right here in Atlanta. They've done everything from like corporate promos. They'll film your comedy set. They'll film and edit your sketches. 
They also do everything from photography to headshots, really whatever you need. I use them to film my comedy class graduation. I do an eight-week comedy class at Highwire right here in Atlanta. They've been so willing to film in HD amazing sets that you graduate with for my show. If you're looking to register for the class, there's still a couple spots left before we kick off here on January 29th. Go to my website, Joel Byers Comedy, to register or highwirecomedy.com to register. But you're going to be working with Fresh Grounds Creative, so go to freshgroundscreative.com. See the work for yourself. It is really remarkable quality, and it's going to an actual local business. Support your local business out there. They're fans of comedy. They've actually done comedy themselves. That's why they wanted to team up here, because they love what Hot Breath is doing. They love what I'm doing here. And you're going to love what they do for you. So go to freshgroundscreative.com, check out their work, hit them up, get them up. It's 2017. Invest in yourself. Is that a slogan? I don't know. I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy you listened about this entire outro. Because I only put info in here that is helpful to you. I'm not here to waste your time. And I think comedy artwork and Fresh Grounds Creative are two amazing services that I would like for you to benefit from so that's really why i did that um well, if you have any questions you can hit me up on social media at joel byers comedy or at hot breath pod just tell your friends tell your family members tell anybody about the podcast word of mouth is the best way to share this social media the best way to share this itunes review i say that every week nobody really leaves them anymore but i know you're listening out there I see the numbers. We keep climbing. So as long as the numbers keep climbing, we'll worry about the iTunes reviews later. So we're here every Monday, ladies and gentlemen. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Check out all the amazing interviews we have in the, the vault. And uh, we'll be right back here. I got to thank, get a lot of compliments on the quality of my podcast as far as audio. That's thanks to my engineer, Amon Garner. Hit him up on Facebook if you need any audio needs. So look at look at look at what we're doing here at Hot Breath. We've got your all your graphic design needs with comedy artwork, all your photography and videography needs from Fresh Grounds Creative, and all your audio needs from Amon Garner. What is the triple threat? What is Oh, that is so boss. Hmm. I had to use the word boss. Like we're back watching American Graffiti or something. And I've gotten a lot of compliments on my theme song as well. The composer is my fiance, Erin Rogers. You can hit her up on social media at Erin A. Rogers. But stay out of her DMs. I. Yeah. <laughs> that was for the few of you listening throughout this entire intro. I appreciate your commitment to hot breath. And I appreciate your time. So I'm going to free up your time and adjourn this hot breath episode. My name is Joel Byers, and until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath.